Hi, I'm Carla Wainwright. And I'm Little Leah. And welcome to the Radical Sex Witches podcast, where we explore the themes of sexuality, feminism, consciousness, love, healing, ritual, magic, and all things witchy and wonderful. Hello, all you vivacious vamps, and welcome to another edition of the Radical Sex Witches. I'm your Halloween harlot, Little Leah, and with me as always is the witchy wonder, Carla Wainwright. What's up, my bitch? I like that Halloween harlot, which you wonder. It's good. We should form a superhero team. I'm Except I really want to be that. cunty Carla. That's really actually what I want. Why are you making me snort off the top? Fuck you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know you love it. That's your superpower, <laughs> cunty Carla. <laughs> and she squirts too. <laughs> I've got to fucking stop. We've got a series. Wow. We've got a long show today. Because we're back with <laughs> we're back with our second bad babe of horror or bad babe of history. And because it's October, this one's straight from the crypt. Before Lily Munster, Morticia Adams, and Elvira, there was the ghoul who started it all. While her fame was short-lived, to this day her images are still extremely famous and influential in horror, goth, and pinup circles. We're talking about the seductively spooky ghostess with the late night mostess, Vampira. There's actually only two minutes of footage left behind of her late night horror TV show, and it's very low quality. Being shown live in an era before home video recording, the rest actually has been lost, which is super sad because I'd love to see this. Yeah, me too. Um, Yet there's hundreds of photos of Vampira that still exist, and they're an important part of her legacy. Huge movements came out of her look. She's the original, the first who put it together and made it feel dangerous. It's a fascinating yet tragic story that we're excited to share today. So Carla, here to kick us off. I sure would. Okay, so born December 11th, 1922 in Massachusetts to Finnish immigrants, Myla Nuermi had a difficult childhood. Her father, a journalist and sometimes evangelist, was often traveling. And her mother, Sophie, uh, struggled with alcoholism. And so long before she became mistress of the night, Mila was the mistress of odd jobs, and she even gutted salmon in a canning factory. Yummy. Yeah. So Mila went to Los Angeles at the age of 18 to take advantage of her beauty, along uh, with a talent for hand-stitching, outre clothing from thrift store remnants. And she soon met Orson Welles and left the affair, and sorry, and the affair left her pregnant, by which point Welles had married Rita Hayworth. And so after giving birth, Normie put up the baby for adoption and she was heartbroken, but her hard drinking mother wasn't cowed. So Sophie Normie met Wells many years later when she was a maid at the Knickerbocker Hotel in Hollywood. And she told him about his son and Wells reportedly gave her $200 to go away. How fucking crazy is that? It's tragic. (laughs) Yeah. Like, what a piece of shit. There's actually a quote by her mother that said, fucking genius, my ass, or something like that, because at that time he was heralded yeah. as a genius. Yeah. Really sad. So from 1941 to 51, uh, she became a cheesecake model. And on the West Coast, it was blonde and surf oriented. And she actually became one of the top 10 models, but uh, the pay was shit. Not like it was in, um, what were those models called in the 90s? I don't Supermodels. Know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. Believe it or not, I was alive in the 90s. Yes. I meant <laughs> Holy 
shit. No, um, yes, they were supermodels, but I don't know, like that whole group of oh, the suicide girls and stuff, whatever they were called, like Naomi Campbell and no, those are the supermodels. Yes, no, they had another name. Anyway, they got paid really well, but models in the forties got paid shit. Okay, so then in 1944, Howard Hawks, who was famous for such films as Rio Brava and To Have and Have Not, brought Myla. Uh, to Hollywood to be the next Lauren Bacall, who he'd just made famous after seeing a review of her in a Mae West production in New York. So he had big plans for her. Yet arriving in Hollywood, she sat in a rooming house waiting for the studio to call and they gave her $75 a week just to do that. And she thought Hawks was stupid and tore up her contract in front of him. And decades later, Hawks was quoted as saying, Myla was the one that got away. So considering herself a failed starlet, she married TV and film writer Dean Reisner, uh, who was famous for helping Clint Eastwood's career with Play Misty for Me and Dirty Harry. Now, this was also around the same time that television was created. What was shown at that time in people's homes were wholesome content. And Milo was a rebel and a beatnik, and she didn't fit into these boxes, but she did see this as an area of opportunity for herself. So in 1953, she and her husband, Dean, attended a fashion designer, um, a fashion designer's very famous Halloween ball. She knew that this was the place that she could be seen. Uh, It's also very important to mention that she was a fan of Charles Adams, the cartoonist who created the Adams family for The New Yorker. Now, this is not the cute TV show and films that we know today. These were very much black comedy, which Mila very much loved. So based on the idea of Morticia from the comics for this party, she created her first rendition of Vampira. She liked the idea of taking unwholesome people and making them behave like they thought they were wholesome. So Vampira had breakneck stilettos and wore fashion inspired from the bonded magazine called Bazaar. And she created female strength in a time that culture favored female submission. So needless to say, the character captured the attention of guests and among them, producer Hunt Stromberg Jr., who would hand Myla her ticket to stardom some months later. Can I just say that I totally want to see more 50s bondage clothing and outfits and things like oh, that? Oh, I mean, her luck, her look and like encaptures yeah. that. Amazing. Amazing. Okay, so the Vampira show was born in which she was the host of late night um, B-horror movies that also included campy sketch comedy, basically filling an empty time slot for ABC with very low production costs. And she opened each uh, show with a blood curdling scream, followed by the statement of screaming relaxes me so. And in interviews, Myla said it implied having an orgasm, which Remember, everyone, this is like 1954, so super risque. The studio never did press on the local show that aired out of L.A., but her look promoted itself. And they'd send her out in the city, causing many scenes throughout in her vampire character. And national and worldwide publications wrote about her and published pictures, including Time magazine in June 1954, uh, which is really an amazing demonstration of the character's impact. So Vampira appeared on the Red Skeleton show, being the first actual time she was seen by a national audience, and just one week after the Time magazine spread, and six weeks of being on air with her own show. So that's like a lot of stuff happening in a really short time. Big Amazing. time. 
And she appeared with Bella Lugosi in the only time they worked together and Lon Chenny Jr., who appeared in a sketch version of his Wolfman. And the footage thought to be lost was actually found in 2014 by uh, the Red Skelton uh, estate. Yeah, it's really cool to see. Uh, so in 1954, Vampira was the it girl. And it was also at this time she became friends with another up-and-comer, James Dean. Milo was adamant, however, that they were only ever friends, but was certain that they were connected through past lives and they had a very close family-like relationship. James himself was unconventional, attracted to the gothic undertones, and very much saw Mila as a kindred spirit. And they spent a lot of time together. And as this friendship began, her marriage also came to a close, and she attracted and was attracted to beautiful men. So uh, it's referenced that she had a long relationship with Anthony Perkins, and Marlon Brando often climbed through her apartment window. And well through the 70s, when she was under financial stress, Brando paid for her telephone line so he could call her anytime to discuss his favorite subject, which was himself. And there's even a story with photos to prove the meeting that she got private guitar lessons from Elvis. I mean, the photos are not of the guitar lessons, but, like, he's bending her over, like, backwards, like, you know, in a little swoop embrace. Wow. Yeah. So capping off her incredible first year, she received an Emmy nomination for Most Outstanding Female Personality in 1954, but she lost to Lucille Ball. And 18 months after the nomination, she entered the long twilight of her career. So when Halloween came around in 1954, um, they got 2,000 calls from housewives asking how to dress like her. And remember, this was just in Los Angeles that this show was airing. Yep. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, all those repressed housewives wanting to find their inner goth. Yeah. Yeah. Something previously put in a late night time slot uh, to fill time actually now suddenly seemed bankable. And ABC wanted to own the character of Vampira. Yet she only leased 49% of the character to them. So ultimately, they just canceled her twice. So her show only ran for a year and two weeks and only 54 segments filmed. And I just have to say, like, it's pretty heartbreaking that there's no footage of this. Yeah. And it's important to note that the only the two minutes of her show was actually uh, what was created for like a promo commercial. Right. Like it was a recording of a recording. Everything else was live. So it was never it was never kept. Hmm. Yeah. Um, And at the same time of all of this happening is when James Dean died and Milo was beside herself feeling as she lost family. Uh, There was a gossip magazine, a very famous one called Whisper, uh, released a scandalous story calling her Dean's Black Madonna and that they had a chilling and tragic love story. Even though the relationship was always platonic. They said his death was linked to her witchery, and it was an easy and tragic thing to pin on her and her quote-unquote black magic TV show. And this lasted a lasting mark on Myla, and while she tried to rectify it, she ultimately wanted to kill herself for a period. Now she was only making personal appearances, cheap commercials, and road and homecoming parades. Living on only $13 a week, she hobbled around a cardboard graveyard for director Ed Wood in Plan 9 from Outer Space. And this was the bottom of the barrel because he was not a, he was not anybody at that point in time. And even though it became become a very iconic role for her that most of us have either seen or have seen images from, it wasn't released until 1959 and she only made $200. And I just want to note that, like... She knew that Ed Wood's script was so fucking bad that she actually suggested that she remain mute and not recite the lines just because it was that shitty. Oh my God. 
Um, but also super cool. At this time, she also booked a modeling job with Disney. Uh, for inspiration, they used her likeness to create Maleficent in Sleeping Beauty. Uh, Disney actually did confirm this was true in 2014, but all the photos and references of, of her being there have been lost. Whoa. But how cool is that? Like, so she's amazing. Maleficent. Uh, oh, yeah. my God. Wow. But sadly, Myla sank further into poverty and she was working odd jobs and relied on others for food. And she was sleeping in a very tiny garage on the floor. And things don't get better for her. Um, only obsessive stalker-like fans approached her now, hoping for maybe a moment of necrophilia with the destitute actress. And even crazy James Dean fans were attacking her. Um, there's reference where she was back in New York for a little bit after her first cancellation, where a man actually attacked her. And it lasted for two hours where he beat the shit out of her. Uh, this actually sent the, the paparazzi running her way to the police station. And in shock, she took the publicity. And you, there's a photo of her where she's jumped up on a filing cabinet modeling all of her bruises and it's extremely sad and this uh you know forever made her a joke in the eyes of the press at the, any any time that she's did surface it's horrible yeah oh okay <laughs> just having a moment of just i know it's so heartbreak. sad and if you look at that photo like the look in her eyes like it's it's horrible yeah just broken um, a comeback was planned in 1956, and she performed alongside Liberace in Come As You Were, and it didn't go as planned, but it was a magnificent one last hurrah. In 1966, she tried writing her memoir. She recorded tapes, but actually the book was never completed, and only a single badly damaged tape was ever found, and it never covered any of the pivotal moments in her life. So another, yeah, sad loss of you know, just capturing her and of who her she insight. Was. Yeah. Yeah. So between this time, she was adopted by punks, goths, and movie geeks. And you can see photos of her with the misfits. It was here that she was brought back into popular popular culture with, you know, what is known as her ever a kind of iconic look. Uh so yeah, that was the 80s. And in 1988, a show she did more than just inspire. Uh, the original idea was to revive her vampire character. And Myla had been working on it with the producers, but when they had creative differences, she left. The title was altered by one syllable, and Cassandra Peterson, also known as Elvira, became the most famous late-night horror movie hostess of all time on TV with Elvira's movie Macabre. Uh, Myla tried to take him to court, but due to the lack of funds, uh, she had to give up on the case after several appeals. So this, yeah, this pisses me off. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just, yeah, another instance of somebody's creative talent being taken and them being thrown yeah. away. Myla actually says there's a thing that happens in Hollywood quite a bit where like the inventor never gets the credit and it's the people with the most money and the most power. They're the ones that are raking it in. And Elvira, she is, she's an icon a hundred percent, even to this day in her seventies, people still fucking love her, but uh, you know, to pretty much just change a syllable and get yep. bigger tits. <laughs> and I met Elvira uh, maybe like it was 2016 when I went to a not scary farm and uh, her show, fantastic, fucking fantastic. She was dancing and singing and had all these hot boys on stage and it was really great. And then I got to go meet her in a meet and greet and I made the mistake of saying, I used to watch you when I was a little girl. Come on, 
bitch was like in her 70s or like the end of her 60s. So yeah, I did watch you when I was a little girl and she just gave me this kind of dirty look and I'm like, oh, but you look so good. And I was, <laughs> it was fucking horrible. <laughs> huh. Yeah, it is. It's such a disappointment when you meet somebody that, you know, you kind of created an image of in your mind and then they do something that, yeah, I've had a couple of those. I mean, I still like her, but now like, you know, I'm siding with the rebel that is is Vampira, and this makes me like her a little best, a little less. So come at me, Twitter, you motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so sadly, in uh, 2008, Mila died, and maybe only 60 people attended. Uh, her funeral was closed to fans, and she was buried in Hollywood Forever Cemetery. So Sandra Nimi. Normie's niece and now her biographer learning of her aunt's death in 2008 she hurried to los angeles on limited funds and signed the death certificate and she actually discovered dozens of pages of an unfinished autobiography stashed around um Normie's apartment crumpled in the pockets of old shirts taped to the backs of pictures and calendars and she actually started to slowly piece the story together even though she'd actually never written anything before she persisted and published glamour ghoul the Passions and Pains of the Real Vampira, Myla Nwermi, in 2021. And remember the child she'd given up for adoption? So Niemi managed to make contact with her cousin, David P- uh, Putter, the son of Nwermi and Wells, through Ancestry.com. <laughs> yeah, so I know. It is pretty crazy. And then uh, in 2021, LA Times article, he was quoted as saying, Imagine being a 75-year-old retired attorney living a life of comfort and very little remaining drama, says Putter. Then one day, through the magic of DNA, you find out your birth mother was a famous vampire. It was startling, to say the least. And her father being... Yeah, yeah Orson, Orson Welles. Welles. <laughs> that is pretty crazy. I know. And you know, it's nice to know that vampire can still startle from the grave. Yeah. I'm so glad that like we presented this story for our Halloween month. She is fascinating. And these facts are just like tiny little tidbits scratching the surface on her. And I actually like, I didn't know all of this before this episode. I was just like, oh, look at her. She's so beautiful. And then I went down mm-hmm. the rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you actually want to know more about Vampira and Myla, I highly recommend the documentary Vampira and Me, uh, which you can currently watch for free on Tubi. I luckily stumbled upon it and it includes like live interviews with her that were filmed in 97, but the documentary wasn't made until 2012. 100% worth the watch. Next time on the Radical Sex Witches, we're diving into the world of fantasy. Ooh, fantasy. And is this our this is our last episode of spooky season. So uh thank you for letting me take over the airwaves and force feed you all things horror. I'm little Leah. And I'm Carla. We are the Radical Sex Witches, and we will see you next time. Hello, witchy listener. It's Carla here. If you're feeling disconnected from pleasure and unfulfilled in life, reach out to me and let's connect on a free call. I love helping women like you shift to owning your sexual power, reconnecting to your body, and finding your unique radical sex switch within. Go to CarlaWainwright.com or find my contact info in the show notes. Let's co-create a life for you that is truly turned on.